you think about your life and you think about the things that you encounter, I would say that temptation is a fact of life. Everyone is tempted. In fact, if you begin to read through your scriptures, you will realize that in the very beginning of time, with the first man and the first woman, temptation began with them. If you continue to study through your Bible, you realize God raised up a people, Israel, the descendants of Abraham, and after he raised them up, they found themselves again being tempted. The passage that Brother Randy read just a few moments ago from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, I want to remind you that in the context in which this appears, He tells him, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. It's common to each of us. Just like we're born, just like we die, each of us face some kind of temptation. However, he reminds us, God will not allow us to be tempted beyond our ability to resist. And for every temptation that we have, There's always a righteous way to respond. When James wrote his letter in James chapter 1 verse 13, he said, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. We learn that as we encounter temptation, God doesn't put that in front of us. It's the devil who does that. The devil is the one who wants you to sin, and we want you to sin because he knows the ultimate end of that is that you will be lost and losing your soul. And somebody says, well, if it's there, all of us have to encounter it. All of us have to face it. How do I meet temptation in such a way that I can be able to resist and to be able to overcome? And Jesus is our great example. He was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. You look at him, look the way he dealt with it, and then we deal with it ourselves. And so that's what Hebrews 4.15, he says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was as tempted as in all points as we are yet without sin. And then we learn that he, part of the reason why he took flesh upon himself, why he came in the likeness of man, is to show us what it means to be a man. And it says that in verse 18, for in that he himself suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus knows how to provide for us the guidance and the direction. And so tonight we want to talk about three things. I preached on the temptation of Christ more than once. But I want to approach it tonight by asking and looking at some questions about what we can learn. And we can learn something about Satan. On Wednesday evening, we talked about 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and how we're not ignorant of his devices. We need to learn a little about Satan and who he is. 
We need to know how to meet temptation. When it comes at us, how do you respond to it? And then number three, we all need to learn something about ourselves and about our weaknesses. So let's begin by reading Matthew chapter 4. We're going to begin with verse 1 and we'll go through verse 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live but by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan! For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him. Behold, the angels came and ministered to him. Now let's look and see what we learn about Satan. The devil is the great tempter. He is the one who is responsible for all of this wickedness we have in this world some people would say well the devil is just the personification of evil that he is just really something that's out there but he's not really a person but the bible portrays him as a real being you remember in matthew 4 3 he says now when the tempter came to him that is the devil came to jesus in some form or some fashion 1 Peter 5 verse 8 tells us, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil is really out there as a real being. Now, there's limitations on him, but never mistake the fact of his power in our possible lives. Satan is brazen. And uh, when you read Matthew 4, he comes and he portrays himself as if he is on equal footing with Jesus. In fact, I would suggest to you, not only does he portray himself as being on equal footing of Jesus, but in some senses he portrays himself, he said, you fall down and worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. That's something it wasn't his to give. He was devious. You remember in Matthew chapter 13 as Jesus is giving a series of parables and he's giving the parable of the tares. He said, while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. 
The enemy is the devil. The devil's devious. He does stuff behind the scenes. Oh, when you start thinking about the devil, he's able to use us. He's able to use our friends. He's able to use our co-workers to suggest to us, maybe you ought to do this, maybe you ought to do that. You see, he sows the seed of discord among us. He's subtle as well. Remember in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? It's very easy for somebody to come in and be cunning and subtle in the way they approach us to get us to believe what they want us to believe. And if the devil is anything, he's persistent. He comes at you once. He comes at you twice. He comes at you three times. Luke 4 verse 13 says, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Wow, that tells you that the devil's looking for an opportunity to try to be able to tempt us. And if you don't give in today, he'll find a day when you are weak and a day when you are uh, having a difficult time and that's when he's going to come. You know, maybe the devil wants you to lose your temper and you say, no, I'm not going to do that. Not going to give in. Then you have a day when everything goes wrong. A day when your resolve is weakened. And then someone comes and you... Give into it just like that. I'll give you a good illustration. First Kings chapter 13, you have the prophet, a young prophet, going from Judah up to Israel, going to cry out against the altar of Jeroboam. God had sent him and he said, I want you to go out another way that you came in while you're there. Don't you eat anything? Don't you drink anything? After he confronts the king, the king and uh, has a leper's hand, then he has it restored by the prophet. He offers him whatever you want. No, I can't eat, can't drink. I've got to go out a different way than I came. As he's going back, an old prophet hears he's there, and he goes out to him, and he tells him, he says, well, I'm a prophet like you are, and God sent me here, and I need you to come back to my house and eat with me. But the text said he lied to him. You see, the devil will sometimes, you look at a person and you know they're not right, like the king was, and you won't give in. But you let somebody who claims to be a religious person say, well, yeah, it's okay. The devil is that kind of being. He plants doubt. He makes us question, has God said? Is that what it really means? Is that what it's all about? Well, the approach of the devil is to tempt us to satisfy our physical appetites. Do you remember what he told Jesus when Jesus was hungry? Turn these stones to bread. Satisfy your desires. Do you remember Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16, as it talks about Esau? It says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. All that just appeared to be such an important thing to do, to sell your birthright, to have some food, only to realize how precious of a thing that you sold. Temptation comes from the devil to test God. 
See if God will do what He tells you He will do. In Deuteronomy 6 and verse 16, You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted Him in Massa. You know, the children of Israel said, We want water. We want water. We want water. God provided them water. We want food. God provides manna. We want meat. God provides quail. Constantly questioning Can and will God provide? The devil approaches and tempts us by means of our own pride. You're worth it. I remember several years ago a young man who was getting a divorce. He knew his divorce was unscriptural. He knew that it was unscriptural for him to remarry. He looked at me and he says, it's time for me to have some happiness in life. It's time for me to have some happiness in life. Oh, I know I'm doing wrong, but God surely doesn't want me to not have happy times. The devil would have you believe that you can have it all and you can have it now. Perhaps the best way to sum it up is what John records in 1 John 2 15 through 7. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And yet Satan is not invincible. He can be resisted. James 4 verse 7 says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And none of us can ever say that the devil made us do it. I remember the old comedian. Devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make you do it. You did it because you wanted to. He may have tempted you. So what do we learn? We learn a little bit about Satan. Second of all, we learn something about how to meet temptation. Whenever you look at Jesus and the way he confronted things, the way he handled things, that's always the right way to do it. How did he face temptation? The first thing that you will observe is he remained close to the Father. He had never veered away and said, I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to do my way. You remember, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, When he said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In fact, in the book of John, he says, My meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. James 4, verse 8, we learn, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. You get closer to God and... Temptation is easier to face. Second of all is a firm refusal. In Matthew 4 verse 10, Jesus said, Away with you, Satan. In Matthew chapter 16, he said, Get behind me, Satan. You know, someone comes to you and says, I want to sell you something. Maybe they want to sell you something illegal. You say, get away from me. I don't want that. Leave me alone. 
Someone says, well, I, I don't think I'm interested. Well, they done got the hooks in you now. They know that, that, that you, you're considering it. Firmly refuse. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. The third thing that Jesus did was to quote Scripture. It is written. It is written. In fact, he does that three times. Why did Jesus constantly quote the devil's Scripture? Does the devil know what God's will is? Obviously he does. But Jesus wanted the Scriptures to be the source of authority In Psalm 119, verse 11, for us, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you want to be able to face temptation and know how to respond, be sure that you fill your mind with Scripture. Then any occasion arises, you have the word to meet it. Let's look at Jesus. He also refused to be self-serving. Too many times in life, people have persuaded us, and the devil would like us to believe, that it's all about us. That everything in life should revolve around what I think, what I want. And Jesus made it clear that's not what he was here to do. In fact, he came for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, Luke 19.10. But as you look further, he says he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He realized there was more to life than there was bread. Man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Not everything in this world is of the greatest importance. Is it important to have money to be able to eat, to be able to have a place to live? Sure it is. That's not the most important thing. Is it important to have good friends about with whom you can have fraternal relations? Well, sure it is. But the most important thing is doing what God says. I think about being on that pinnacle of the temple and how beautiful that place must have been when the devil took him there. You know, Herod had rebuilt that temple court area, built a beautiful uh, colonnaded area on the southern end of that temple mount area. It's called Solomon's Porch. It's a very high area, even today, without the colonnaded area on there. Throw yourself off. Do something sensational. Draw attention to yourself. No, you don't do that. And he rebuffed a deception for a shortcut. All the kingdoms of the world, you see their glory? I'll give that to you. What's Jesus seeking? He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16, 15. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28, verse 19. Does Jesus want the whole world to be His followers, absolutely he does. But he's not going to listen to Satan, to 
tried to take some kind of shortcut. Now let's look at ourselves for just a few minutes. One of the things that we have to admit is that we are not nearly as strong as we think we are. If I were to ask you, are you able to meet temptation? Most of us would say, sure I can. I'd like to give you an example of Peter. I want you to imagine this is the night which they gathered together in the upper room in Jerusalem. The Lord has washed the disciples' feet. They've celebrated the Passover feast. The Lord's tried to get them to understand after the supper, he took bread, he took the fruit of the vine, he said, take, eat, this is my body, take, eat, or take and drink. You know, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is poured out for you for remission of sins. Matthew 26, verse 28. And here's Peter now. And he said, Lord, everybody else may be offended, but I won't be. Even if all are made to stumble, I will not be. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, even tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more vehemently. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. You know what Peter did? Just what Jesus said he would do. When it comes to temptation, no one of us should look and say, I am immune. We're not. In fact, if you go back to the context of the text reading, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, you back up to verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. We often learn that worldly pressure can get to us. Do you believe that we can get into a position where we allow the, the pressures of life to make a living, to take care of our children, to do things that are a part of the normal life and get to us. Luke 8, 13, but the ones on the rock are those who when they hear receive the word with joy. And these have no root who believe for a while and in a time of temptation fall away. In a time of temptation fall away. I can't tell you how many times that I have smiled with joy in the heart to see a precious soul immersed in water in this baptistry right behind me with such desire for good to be in their life to see just a few years later they're no longer walking with the Lord. In fact, I would imagine many of you could look around and say, oh, I remember this person, I remember that person, and now they're not even faithful to the Lord at all. You see... We have to realize how vulnerable we are. We learn that there are some things that are harder for us to resist than others. There's times when it's harder to resist than others. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. The sin which so easily ensnares us. I don't know what temptation is the greatest for you. But I do know this, that every one of us has our area of weakness. And you have to be careful. 
that you don't allow that area of weakness. I think about what Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 13 when he said to them, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. If you know you've got a temptation in an area, stay away from that temptation. Satan would like to tempt you to doubt and wonder about God. Does God exist? Does God care? Is the Bible His book? Is the church what you and I are to be a part of? Oh, well, maybe I'm just not sure. Maybe I doubt. Satan wants to sow those seeds of doubt in your mind. But you can draw near to God, and the closer you draw near to God, the further away you get from the devil, and the stronger you become. God loves you, wants you to go to heaven. Satan wants you to suffer the same fate that he is destined for himself. Now tonight, all I've tried to do is point out to you that temptation is there, and there's a temptation tonight. If you're here and sitting tonight and you're thinking, you know, I know I need to become a Christian. I know I need to obey the gospel, but, you know, there's so many things I can think of that I could maybe put it off to sometime later. Maybe I can deal with it sometime in the future. Oh, that's Satan's suggestions to you. Because all he's got to do is, is just get you to put it off today and then... You know, maybe you won't even want to tomorrow. Maybe you're here, you're a Christian, and you've, you know that you've sinned a lot in your life, and you know you hadn't taken care of it. You're sitting there, and you think, well, maybe these brethren know, maybe they don't know. And Satan would have you to just stay right where you are. But you see, there, there's an invitation of Jesus. Come unto me, all you who are laboring or heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. As the Lord invites, will you respond as together we stand and sing.